Welcome to the Tarot Readers Academy TV and podcast, the place to be to get the tools, tips, techniques, and building blocks to level up your tarot reading practice, heart-centered business, and spiritual journey. I'm Ethany Dawn. I'm a full-time card slinger, business coach, author, and the headmistress of the tarotreadersacademy.com. And to top it all off, I'm also your host for this TV series and podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Tarot Academy TV and podcast. And today I have the lovely Carrie Mallon, who is going to be sharing with us her tips and tricks, her experience and her journey with learning how to bond with a new deck. So Carrie is a tarot reader. She's an active card slinger, as many of our guests are, and she's also a tarot mentor. So I'd like you all to help me welcome Carrie to our podcast and TV. Yay. Hello (laughs) to Ethany and to everyone who will be watching this. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule, as I know most of us solopreneurs are kind of running at 110 to (laughs) join us today. So Carrie, uh, my background with knowing of Carrie is through this pretty much the same with a lot of people that um, I have worked with and colleagues in this field. It's been through YouTube and through social media. And one of the things that was really setting Carrie's work apart was a few years ago, Carrie was delving really deeply into the Wild Unknown Tarot, which is an extremely popular deck. Um, And the Wild Unknown Tarot is a bit more of an abstract deck in the way that there's no people in the cards depicted. And Carrie was doing an entire series on deeply diving into the cards. And this is sort of this huge project got underway. So Carrie, tell us a little bit about what light bulb went off in your gorgeous brain where you said, I'm doing this. Yeah. So it was kind of, it was an interesting thing because when I started blogging through the wild unknown, I actually didn't really think anyone would be interested in it besides me. And it ended up being, I've been doing my business for over four years now. And this is probably one of the most popular things I've done in terms of people using it and emailing me about it and whatnot. So that was interesting is that I kind of just thought, wow, this deck is really interesting and it's so different from the Rider-Waite-Smith, which a lot of resources draw upon. So I just decided I'm going to do this for myself. And if anyone else is interested in that, that's really cool. And I realized as I was doing it that writing those posts was bringing me so deep into those cards and that act of embarking on that project led me to connect with the deck in so much of a deeper way than I would have if I would have just bought the deck and you know used it occasionally I I noticed so many things in the cards and um yeah it was just really a an interesting process and an ongoing process. It took a long time because sometimes people come to me now and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. And I'm like, well, you know, what you see now is three years after I first started the project. That's a good point because there, as anyone who has written a book about tarot or has created a deck or even, you know, if you're like 
me and I'm sure you've got quite a number of books on it. 78 cards is quite the commitment. So was there ever a time where you went, what on earth have I signed up for? I think honestly, the what on earth have I signed up for point did come and it, but it didn't come until I actually finished. I had all 78 cards done. And then I said, oh, I'm going to go back and edit them and update the pictures and just polish them up. And that's the part of the project that I just did more recently. And that part was a little more, you know, like the initial enthusiasm has worn off, which this is often how it goes in creative projects, right? At the beginning, you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then eventually you have to just do the work behind it. So it did get to be a lot. But the nice thing was I didn't have to put pressure on myself for it. So anytime I started to feel like, oh, I'm forcing it, then that was a sign to me, like, just take a step back and take a break. So I never wanted it to come across when people were reading them that it was like, I didn't want that energy going into it of, oh, I just have to do this. I wanted to really be engaged with it while I was doing it, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I, I really think you can tell just in the language that you use and the way that you presented it, that it was really this labor of love. I mean, you weren't being paid, certainly weren't being paid for it. Um, and it wasn't your, it was, yeah, definitely a, a labor of, of love. And I think that's a really good takeaway from anyone who is undergoing a large creative project is to maybe release some of the pressure that we, you know, you put on yourself and realize that things can take time because I know for myself, when I wrote my book that's coming out next year and I've written, I don't know, four or five books now at this stage, but the process of getting it published with a publisher is so different. Normally I just like writing the initial creative process and more like in my bliss and I'm like writing it down and then to go back and edit and to add and to flesh out and to polish. I so struggle with that as well. So it's nice to know that I'm not alone. Yeah, absolutely. I can only imagine um, the next level that comes with it when you're doing it for a publisher. But yeah, I think you're right. That's a good lesson for anyone with a creative project. And who owns a business, right? I mean, there are many of us, you, you and I have been doing this for a hot second. Um, so it does take the time um, to get that lovely foundation of being known and having some stability, even though I'm sure you can agree with me. Some months you like you had a, a, a better month than others and some weeks you have some days you have a better day than others. That's just what happens when you run your own when you run your own ship. Yeah, absolutely. And that's true with with so many things in life, right? Like sometimes we hop into things thinking immediate results will happen or wanting immediate results and occasionally we get that and it's great, but a lot of times we have to be dedicated <laughs> and keep showing up. And do the work, right? Exactly. <laughs> that pesky work. <laughs> so I want to talk about um, what benefits do you think that there are or you feel that there are for people, for readers, even if they just read for themselves, to take the time to bond with the deck. So why would you do something like bond with a tarot deck? I think um, we've most of us who have been reading tarot for any amount of time, or I should say for the amount of time that we feel a little more comfortable. Most of us can remember a time when we would pull out the cards and it felt really awkward. It felt like we were trying to grasp for like, what does this card mean? Or trying to turn to a book or trying to, trying to get it right. And it feels like a very 
grasping kind of like it's out there. But I think when you take the time and intention to bond with a deck on a deep level, the main benefit is you're able to give readings for yourself and for other people that feel like they're just like naturally arising. It doesn't feel like you're trying to be like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? Where is it coming from? It's not an outward thing. It's something that you are so connected with that deck and what it means to you that you can pull those cards and it feels like it just unlocks a message within you and that message comes forward with better clarity. So I think being um, having a good bond with your tarot deck is actually a huge part of giving really effective readings. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I absolutely agree. I feel like part of it is creating your own language with the deck. And that's something that I know for myself as I've got a number of decks I can sometimes struggle with. There are a lot of decks that I read with that are right away Smith based. And the fact that I love that is because I can pick up a lot of them and just read with them. And sometimes there are symbols that pop out or a different depiction. And I'm really interested in diving into that because that's what's popped out and really stood out in the reading. But then there are other decks that come out that I'm like, this is going to require a little bit of more of me than the others. So decks um, like the Numinous Tarot, the Next World Tarot, the Star Tarot, I found really asked me to spend some time. Songs for the Journey Home, the Spirit Keepers Tarot, like I can name a bunch of them where I've gone, oh, Daughters of the Moon Tarot. Any of these ones that kind of push the boundaries or require a little bit of extra love, I find for me, they are like excellent deck for my own work. And I feel like those are a gift to me to say, stretch your intuition and use these for yourself. You do, I do so much um, work for other people. It's nice to have something where it's like a little discovery for me. Yeah, I love that. And you brought up a point that I think is really important as well, which is that the process of bonding with decks looks different for, for each of us individually and also for each of us with different decks. So I don't think there's necessarily, you know, like I have some ideas of how we can bond with decks, but it's not really a one size fits all things. It kind of depends on you and the deck you're working with and how, you know, like my relationship with the wild unknown, for example, might be really different than someone else's relationship with the wild unknown. And that's one of the great things about tarot, like you were saying as well, that it asks us to connect with ourselves and, you know, do some of our own inner work as we're connecting with the decks. Yeah, it's nice sometimes to be uh, reminded, right? Like, it's like we have those moments of, oh, no, I'm also on my, as a, as a healer or a mentor or a teacher or a reader, it's like, yeah, I'm also on my own sort of journey and it's nice to have these pushes and reminders uh, to do so. And I also love the fact, and I'm glad that I work with a lot of people who agree that not all not always fit you know we have to find a way that authentically works with us yeah and in saying that can you walk us through a few tips on how to bond with a deck and maybe looking a little bit of like maybe before when you first get it and then just working with it ongoing and it doesn't doesn't need to be the whole thing because we have a little goodie for everyone who uh, listens till the end Yes, yes. Okay, absolutely. So one of the things that I like to keep in mind before I even purchase a deck is I like to think about what do I connect with in a deck? Because 
sometimes like actually just recently I had someone message me on Instagram and ask which what is a really common question which is how can I pick my first tarot deck and the response that I always give to people when they ask that question is you need to pick a deck that you actually resonate with because um, if you if someone just tells you oh you know get the well then known it's great or get the Rider Waite Smith it's great for beginners and then you get that deck and for you those images just fall flat, you're never going to want to work with that deck. It's so that's my first thing is before you even get a deck, you know, maybe if it speaks to you, look at some images online and don't just think about, oh, what's popular or what should I want to connect with? What does someone else recommend? But think about what immediately actually is already drawing me. I think that's the first thing. And it seems so straightforward, but even I have had the experience of thinking like, oh, I guess I'm going to buy this certain deck because other people seem to like it and it's, you know, it's popular. And then I get in and I'm like, oh, this is not quite for me. So that's, I think the first thing. And I think that to interject there, cause I was getting like so excited about that point, And because I get that question a lot is that is the biggest debunker of the whole you cannot purchase your own tarot deck it has to be gifted to you thing I've ever heard it's it because honestly I've been gift been gifted decks before and I, I mean I love getting them but that I would never have picked for myself and if someone had given me the wild unknown as my first deck I would have I would have struggled honestly the art I've, I've got both editions I would have struggled. I really would have been like, I can't find a foothold here with the court. I can't find, like, there's not much in those dynamics for me. Maybe it's because I'm more with, I want to see the people. Um, but I also hated the original Rider Waite Smith for a long time. So I had to find a good clone of that system, but I had to find it. Because if you just force a framework, a, a style of art, and because it is a language, onto someone and just go here, read this way, then you're, you're really limiting a person's ability to find their own thing and enjoy it, which should really be uh, one of the major things is to enjoy what we're looking at and what we're using as a tool. Yeah, I totally agree. You've probably had this experience. I know I have and a lot of other tarot readers have where you're thinking about maybe getting a deck and maybe for a lot of us, it seems like these days we come across the images online first. And so you come across an image and you think, oh, you know, that kind of looks cool. Or then there's other times you come across an image and you think, wait a minute, what is that deck? That looks amazing. And for me, when I have that reaction, that's when I know I'm going to get a deck. If it's the more like, oh, that's interesting, then it's maybe like, maybe someday I'll get that. But if I'm super excited, then that's like my first sign. Yeah, if you're like slamming the take my money button, <laughs> you, you know you're onto a good thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, so I guess that's the first thing that I would think about with bonding with the deck. And then this is... Um, this is something, I don't know, I might have a slightly unpopular opinion with this next thing, but the next thing that I like to think about is, so, you know, you, you buy the deck, now you have the deck, then what happens from there? And for me, most of the time when I first unbox a deck, I like to make it a sacred process. I like it to be something just for me. Um, the reason I say it might be unpopular is because a lot of people in the tarot community, we love 
to do like unboxing videos. And I have done unboxing videos and I'll probably continue to do them. But if it's a deck where I really feel like something is special between me and this deck, this is going to be one where I want to go deep, then I like to set aside time, maybe meditate first, have quiet time, be in my little like sacred corner in my office, and make sure that when I'm first going through that deck, it feels really special. It's not just like, because you know, this is another thing I'm sure happens to not just me, but a lot of tarot people. Sometimes the deck comes in the mail or you buy it at the store and you just want to like rip it open at the kitchen counter or like in your car and like go through it. And I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that, but I think to really connect in a deep way, make it make it a sacred, make it like a special process. I love that. And even as someone who does unboxing videos and I do them for um, reasons of here, like before you invest in this, in this deck, maybe have a look at what goes on. And I'm certainly not, I, I certainly don't believe what you're saying to be an unpopular opinion. I do lots of stuff ritualistically. I think there's different strokes for different folks and we need like people to to share uh, other creators work but I love I absolutely love that and that's something that maybe I could do more in my own practice for decks that I'm not necessarily going to be um, producing a video for but that's beautiful because you're not only creating the space to bond with a tool you're also creating space and time out and self-care for yourself it's like I'm just going to take a minute and actually enjoy and not be like a kid at Christmas. It's just like, Wee! there's like paper everywhere. And it's just like, yeah, get that, that hyper moment. It's like, no, I'm going to calm and center and really be present. And that's a beautiful gift. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So from there, well, actually I'll say a little more about that, that initial unboxing. I like to, ask myself to record my initial impressions of a deck. And by record, I mean, whatever, you know, usually for me, it's writing, um, cause I'm a journaler big time, but whatever works for individual people, you know, if speaking works better for you, you can record it or, you know, whatever. But I think having some way to ask yourself to actually articulate your thoughts is really important because this is, this is something that I find for myself and for people I work with that when we don't actually challenge ourselves to articulate what we think about something, our thoughts are not as clear to us. Does that make sense? When we ask ourselves to actually say, okay, well, I looked through this deck. What did I feel? What made me feel that way? Why did I feel that way? And ask ourselves to really dive into that even just a little bit deeper. It can make a huge difference besides just opening it, looking through and just thinking, oh, I liked that or, oh, I didn't like that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I get my students to do in my tarot course, my foundation course, um, is to go through a deck and do some journaling and some exploration on, on it. And it's a big task, you know, to go through those 78 cards. But if this is the deck that you're going to either be learning with or using a lot, it's so worth the investment, especially if you are a a person who likes to write and journal because I've got, I've got, I can't grab it now, but I've got books. I've got tarot journals full of notes of images that I've had, channelings that I've had when I've received a deck or I've seen something different and it like triggers something in me. 
And that is invaluable to go be able to go back and be like, oh, wow, like, <laughs> that's awesome. I wrote that 10 years ago. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Because sometimes we think we'll remember, but especially like you're describing, if it almost feels like it's being channeled or it's coming in a more um, metaphysical way to you, sometimes that will like flow through you and then you won't necessarily always retain it on a conscious level. So, but if you have it recorded, then you can always reconnect with it. So yeah, that's awesome. So we've got the deck home. We've, we have spent some time in space we've gone through the cards and we've done a bit of journaling. So what do you suggest is next? Okay, so my suggestion is from there that you set aside a certain amount of time, whatever works for you. For me, it's usually one month to do daily draws using just this particular deck that you're working with at this time. And I think this is a pretty common suggestion for connecting with a new deck. But like you mentioned a moment ago, 78 cards is a lot of cards, and it's a big task to get to know each of them, to get to know the deck as a whole. So I think of the unboxing as kind of like the bird's eye, getting, you know, getting that first impression of the whole deck. And then when you start doing the daily draws, you're going more in at a micro level. So I think there's a lot of information already out there about how to do daily draws and a lot of people already do that. So I would say whatever works for you. But for me, again, I like to challenge myself to articulate my thoughts on the daily draw. So it's not just pull the card, look at it, think, oh, maybe this means that and put it away. I have a little journal where every day I usually write at least two or three sentences of what I thought about that card, how it might apply. If I had, a, you know, if it was a new deck and I was really getting to know the imagery and something in the imagery was particularly striking or confusing or whatever, then I would definitely notate that. So I think keeping it simple, but just working with that deck for a period of time is a good way to go from there. And what you can do for those of you who are like myself and, and probably like Carrie as well, where we may have decks that we have set aside that we will work with our clients with, you know, take the time to have this as something that you maybe put on your altar or put on your bedside table or have it, you know, have your morning cup of tea and have your journal and pull the card and just have those moments with that deck yourself. There are plenty of us who have certain decks or um, we don't put them into rotation for our clients, if ever, because we like to use them for ourselves. But it doesn't, you don't need to have, I've just heard from students and from Instagram messages, people saying, can I, can I use this for just this purpose? Or do I have to use a deck for readings of X, Y, Z kind? It's like, you choose how you apply that magic. So I like that you can be doing multiple things with multiple decks, but I'm a Gemini, so that's not surprising. <laughs> yeah, no, I really like that as well. And I think that's a, another important point because uh, and for me, I find it's different even with every deck. Like I have certain decks that I find they really respond well when I'm doing readings for myself. But if I bring them in for a client reading, it's not so great. And I have other ones that are kind of a mix. Like I had a situation with the Wild Unknown. I actually have like, I don't even know how many copies of this deck now because I got the first edition and I was using that for everything, for me, for clients for quite a while. And then it evolved where I started slowly realizing that that first edition wanted to give messages to me more than other people. Mm. So then I bought the mass market, the second edition. 
And this one I can use for both. I can pull cards for me, I can pull cards for other people. But yeah, so it's just interesting that it's different for each of us. And sometimes the deck, it's almost like our relationship with it evolves over time. Oh, absolutely. I've found that definitely decks evolve. And I I just rotated a few decks out of my working pile for my clients. And I always try to pick a few that it's like, this is a good over, overall one. I know this one's really good for more grief work. I've definitely got decks that are my go-to for career and love. Um, so yeah, it's interesting that because again, and I, I always go back to this when anyone asks, why do you have so many decks or why do, would you want to work with certain ones? It's, and it's all about the language. It's all about the specific set of tones, images, color scheme. It's the language that it speaks and the symbols that it, that it gives us. So that's my justification anyway. Yeah. No, I think that's so perfect because actually one of the next things I was going to say is exactly what you were just saying, which is so once you've been doing daily draws for a while, then start to ask yourself questions about what is the personality of this deck like? What does it give me messages that are really nurturing and soothing or is it a little more hardline? Does it seem better equipped for maybe questions about work and purpose and career or does it seem better equipped for um, relationships? So yeah, like you just said, a lot of us find that different decks, they have different kind of personalities and that's part of bonding with your decks as well as figuring out how does this personality of this deck come forward for me? And doing those daily draws is a good way to start observing that and kind of getting your head around that deck's personality. Do you ever interview your decks, like do an interview spread or an interview sort of like Q&A session with them? Yeah, not every time, but I started doing this more recently because I saw a lot of people doing it around online. So I actually have, let me find it. I have some notes here, I'll scroll through it. Um, I have a really simple four card spread and I can just, I can go through those spread positions if you would like. <laughs> okay, so uh, the first position in the spread is what do I need to know about you? So this is, this would be you talking to the deck and asking the deck, what do I need to know about you? And then the second position is how might you challenge me? So I think of this position as more maybe learning points you might have with the deck or maybe things that might be a bit more shadowy or difficult with the deck. So this card is giving you a message about those kinds of things. And then the third position is how you might assist me. So how the deck might provide growth, how the deck might help you tap into your strengths, those kinds of things. And then the fourth and final position is advice on how we can move forward in our relationship. That's awesome. So what I will do for everyone who is watching and listening, I will make sure that that is in the blog description over ethany.com. So you don't have to keep pressing pause to get that information. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and there is no real one right or wrong way to interview a car, your deck, but it is really lovely, especially if you've been spending some time getting to know it to kind of like say, okay, cool. Now, do you have anything you want to tell me? And giving that, that exchange opportunity back. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I only started doing that more recently, but it's been really interesting. And that's another interesting thing when you do, maybe you just got the deck and you're still getting familiar with the cards. So you jot down notes on that spread. And then after you've been doing your daily draws or, you know, working with the deck for a while, when you go back and look at that spread, it, sometimes for me, I find, oh, that makes more sense now that I got this card in this position. Cause now I see what that means more since I've been working with the deck. Absolutely. And it's really interesting to see about those, as you said, when the, the clicks or the connections come in, you're like, ah, the aha moments happen. Yeah. So I have a question for you. I'm sure you've got more to share, but I've been getting very inspired to ask you questions about a bonding with your decks. Um, do you feel that there is any benefit to pushing through and doing some of these exercises with a deck that you maybe immediately get a bit of a, hmm, I'm not quite sure about you vibe or do you just go shelve it or don't even touch it or what do you feel about that? Ooh, that's such a good question. So when I start working with a deck and I have that immediate reaction that like, oh, I'm just not clicking. I don't know about this. I like to go deeper into myself and try and discern is this reaction because this is truly just not a deck that is meant for me, that it's just not, we're not on the same wavelength for whatever reason, which is fine. Like, obviously that happens. Mm -hmm. Or am I having this reaction because there's something challenging in this deck and it's going to require me to get out of my comfort zone, go into a bit of uncharted territory? Because for me, I'll usually find it's one or the other. And if it's the first it's like, oh, this just isn't for me, then I will probably just not work with that deck. But I've definitely had times where it's the second option. And it's just like a bit of I have resistance. And I think this happens for other people that we have that resistance because we know that deck's going to challenge us a bit more. And if that's the case, you know, I think that it's good for us to take up the challenge and, you know, keep easing into it a bit. Absolutely. And sometimes that changes, right? Sometimes there's a deck that we haven't really looked at in a while and something happens in our life or often for me, it's like the, the wheel turns and the seasons change and I'm like, Ooh, now I'm getting called to work with a, a different sort of set of decks. And as it makes sense for my way I work through the world. So there are certainly things that change in our lives and in our mundane and our magical lives where we go yep something is shifted and it's okay for me maybe to push that a little bit more yeah and sometimes with certain decks it's just individual cards so I actually have a, a relevant story if you would like to gather around and I will tell you the tale um okay so I started working with I never know how to pronounce it the Japri Tarot J-A-R- Oh, I think that's right. Yeah. I can't even spell it. Let's not even try, but you know what I'm talking about. So, okay. So we can maybe put it in your blog or something so people know what I'm talking about. But anyway, so I started working with that deck and card four of the major arcana, which is usually the emperor in that deck is titled war. Mm. And I had an immediate reaction to the emperor being changed to war, an immediate negative reaction and that was one of the times where I knew, okay, I need to dig into this and find out what that's bringing up for me. And it brought up a lot for me, but one of the big realizations I had from digging into that initial negative reaction is I realized that as a tarot reader, sometimes I have the tendency to, I wouldn't say that I sugarcoat things, 
but I would say that I am always trying to look on the bright side of cards. And so for me, seeing the emperor depicted in a way that actually is just flat out showing you the shadow side because war and destruction, it can be a shadow side of the emperor. So for me getting confronted with a card that's like, Hey, you have to look at the shadow side of this card. It was challenging, but it ended up helping me grow with my relationship with the emperor, not just in that deck, but in other decks. But my initial reaction was like, Oh, I don't like that. This is titled war. I don't want to work with that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And that has happened to me too. I, I have that deck um, and they've changed quite a bit in that for sure. Um, but it's interesting when you do get that knee jerk reaction of like, Oh, why, why and you're almost like, why would you do that? <laughs> but then it's like less, why would a creator do that? And more, why am I having this reaction? There's yeah. a deck. It's a Marseille deck. And I actually gave it away. Um, I think, or I sold it and it has, it's quite a morbid Marseille deck. I'll have to try and find it. But basically a lot of the images have intestines all the way through the deck. Like they're wrapped around the swords. They're coming, they're in people's hair. And um, I was born with gastrostesis. So my intestines and everything was on the outside of my body. And so for me, when I first got it, because I was like, I want to try and work with the Marseille a little bit more. And I look at different decks. I was like, okay, nope, I don't like this part of just like seeing it. It's, it was more, I don't feel as though I can connect with this deck. And I tried and it was like very pretty artwork that weren't guts. Um, but that was like the extreme kind of reaction of like, yep, don't need that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Which is which is totally okay. And I think it's important for everyone to know that like, we don't always have to force ourselves to connect with the deck if there's actual reasons that it's not, it's not for us. Yeah. But then other times I've uh, not that deck, but there have been other times where I've gone, okay, I'm going to actually sit and, and work through that a little bit more. Um, like the uh, Dalinoff Tarot, which is really beautiful. I've got both two editions of that deck. Um, but the, the court, I love the court in that deck. But there are some design things that maybe I just kind of go, oh, I question that. Or you get a deck where there's like really ugly borders and you're like, why would you do that? <laughs> but yeah. it's like, okay, can I just like move past the fact that I'm having an aesthetic issue here and try and actually work with it? So there's some funny things that get triggered when <laughs> you work with a deck. Yeah, for sure. I'm relating to all of that in my head. You're like talking about, you know, borders or whatever. And I'm thinking, oh, that's for me, that's this deck. For me, that's this deck. So absolutely. Yeah. And one of my favorite things about tarot as an art form, I guess, is that it does ask us to really connect with ourselves and question, you know, what our reactions are and why we're having those reactions. And all of this is part of that process. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we're coming down the, the, the journey. We've, we've been working with this deck for, say, about a, a moon cycle or a month. We've been doing our daily draws. We've interviewed the deck. Now, do you do anything to kind of transition it into like, ta-da, you have graduated? Or how do you feel as though you know that you've, that you've bonded very well with the deck? I think it's kind of a gut feeling, but because you mentioned my project with the wild unknown, if you want to take it to the next level from what we've already talked about, because I think what we've talked about so far is sort of bonding with your deck 101, kind of the basic things to do. 
there's a lot of things you can do if you want to take it to the next level. Um, as I was thinking about this topic, I actually have this book next to me, so I'll just hold it up really quick and, and tell everyone. But if you want to really bond with a deck on a deep level, I don't know if this is if there's a glare, but this is 21 Ways to Read a Tarot Card by Mary Kay Greer. Do you know this one, Ethany? Oh, yes. And it's been mentioned before on, the, on this podcast and TV series. I mean, Mary Kay Greer is like living tarot royalty, so... <laughs> Yeah, for sure. She's probably my number one tarot icon. And this book is awesome. And a lot of my ideas about bonding with the deck, I am inspired by this book. So I definitely recommend that. But um, that was a bit of a sidetrack. But what I was going to say is if you want to go deeper, what I did with the wild unknown, I started with an exercise that Mary gives in this book, 21 ways to read it tarot card. And this is a tip I give to people all the time. And most people have probably heard it somewhere, but it's actually surprising to me how people have heard this, but a lot of people haven't actually done it, which is you pick, you start with a card from your deck and then you just describe it literally not imposing definitions or meanings onto it, but you start by just saying, okay, there's a blue sky at the top of the card there is a person standing holding X, Y, and Z object. You're just, you're just laying it out um, factually. And just that process alone, I think, first of all, it slows down your brain. Because sometimes when you look at a card and, and you're not forcing yourself to be so intentional about it, it's just things just kind of get jumbled. You miss certain details. You don't think that deeply about it. So that exercise alone of going through and describing in as much detail as you can everything you see, it is so powerful. You will notice so many things that you're skipping right over. Absolutely. And I remember the day, to give you this example of how amazing that exercise is, of like literally doing like the scan from head to toe of a, de of a card, when I found this snail at the bottom of the Nine of Pentacles, which is one of my favorite cards in the tarot, and there's a little snail at the bottom um, in the Rider Waite Smith versions of that, and I was like, squee, there's a snail, because it's like, what a beautiful, we've got the bird of prey and this beautiful woman in a lot of depictations, but the snail for me was just like the magic of like, it takes time and allow things to go slowly, enjoy the moment. You carry everything you need with you, which harkens back to the fool and the sack. And I was just like, mind blown by a snail. And I would have totally missed it. Yeah, that's awesome. See, because I've never noticed the snail. And snail. now you're inspiring me because I've obviously done this exercise with the wild unknown. I've done it with some cards in the, in the Waitsmith, but not all of them. I'm thinking, oh man, I need to up my game with going deeper with the, the weight smith. Because yeah, that's a great example of how, how powerful it can be just to do this. And this is all in the worksheet that people can be provided through this episode. There's that walks you through these steps. So people, again, don't have to feel like you have to memorize it because you can um, do the worksheet if you want. But then from there, how I like to do it. So you've gone through, you've just literally described everything. And then the next part is, of course, uh, going through your literal description and highlighting the imagery that you have an idea for what maybe that means to you. So this would be where we go from, oh, there's a snail in the picture to, oh, for me, the snail is talking about slowing down and you know, all these beautiful things that you just mentioned. 
So doing that, I think is really powerful. Oh, and the other thing I want to back up a bit is I, my recommendation is when you're doing these exercises, start by not referencing other material right off the bat and just, just seeing what comes up for you. Because later in the exercise, I, I give people the option on the worksheet. If you want to look up your card in books or on blogs or whatever, sure, go ahead. But give yourself the chance to see where you can get on your own first. Don't just rely on that other kind of stuff. That's solid, solid. I want to underline that, bold that bastard, blow it up, put lights on it. Give yourself permission to try. There's no such thing as fail or succeed. I see it all the time when people ask for interpretation help. Give yourself the space to actually connect and try because that's the only way you're going to really start to bond and start to really learn the meanings for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So then I kind of recommend you have those two steps. You write everything in detail, literally. Then you go through and think about what does this mean to you? What might this mean to you? And then from there, and this is exactly how I did this whole blog series with the wild unknown, then you just basically go through and synthesize it and write, okay, here's my interpretation of this card. And you're kind of just taking bits and pieces from what you wrote in the first two parts and coming to some way of saying, for me, this card means X, Y, and Z because of this color or this image or this animal or whatever it is. And then you have your own little resource. And I also want to mention, I think we've hit on this a few times in various ways, but be open to that evolving. I don't think you have to say, okay, I did this exercise to bond with this card. I came to this sort of integration and that's that. You might look back on that exercise a year from now and think, oh, now that I've been working with this deck longer, I noticed this and that, and maybe I want to reframe this or this no longer resonates with me. So I think our the um, it can't be said enough that our relationships with our decks are like living entities and they evolve and they change over time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so as Carrie has mentioned, we have a wonderful, she has provided us a wonderful downloadable worksheet. And there's also some notes from uh, the episode as well. So I highly recommend jumping over and downloading it. So Carrie, before we get into how we can work with you, are there any closing thoughts or anything else you would like to share with us about bonding with your deck? And can you do this with Oracle decks? Ooh, I think you could absolutely do it with Oracle decks. In fact, it might even be, well, I don't want to say more powerful, but what's interesting about Oracle is it Tarot has sort of a system behind it, and every deck takes that system in a different direction, but there's this general idea that you know you're getting the major arcana and court cards and certain suits, right? Whereas with Oracle, it's like all bets drop. They're two Oracle decks might have completely different structure or no structure or whatever. So I think it would be really powerful doing this with an Oracle deck and it might be a way for you to get more grounding with that system because that's for me personally, um, weirdly enough, I think that I struggle with Oracle decks more than I do with Tarot because they don't have that underlying structure. But I think if you went through and did some of these exercises to bond with an Oracle deck, you might find some type of your personal view of the, like the overall structure of that deck taking shape. If that, I don't know if that makes sense. But. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. Any, any system where you feel or any cardamancy form, even with runes, whatever it may be, can 
always benefit from some reflection and some critical thinking and some intuitive space for sure. Yeah. I guess the only other thing that I would say is we're closing and um, I may, maybe I already said this because I can't remember if this was before we, because Anthony and I chatted for a minute before we started recording, but I want to let people know that feeling that you're really deeply bonded with a deck, it usually takes some time and that's different for all of us. You, you know, you might work with a deck for a couple of months and feel like you got it on lock, but it really is a process. Like, People look at those wild unknown posts that I wrote my, at my blog series and I have people tell me like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did this. And I have to tell people, well, that took me three years <laughs> to do what you, what you see now on the website took three years to get to that point. So it's a process. And especially if you decide to go through every card individually, that is a big commitment and it's probably going to take a while. So don't put pressure on yourself. You know, Ethne, I think you mentioned this earlier, but the most important thing is that you feel like you're enjoying it and you're having fun and you're learning about yourself and you're learning about your deck. And if all of those things are true, then you're doing something right. So keep doing it. Totally. Absolutely. And I do want to recommend for those of you, especially if you're working with the Wild Unknown Tarot, to head over to Carrie's website. So it's carriemallon.com. Now, Carrie has generously given this resource um, to the tarot world, but there is a tip jar there. And I highly recommend if you're going to download it and use this resource to give back to this lovely lady for all of her time and effort um, because it is a, it's like a 178 page document. Like I was like, that's huge. So um, that is something that you can do to help support a fellow tarot colleague and someone who gives back to our community through all of her channels. And how else can we work with you, Carrie? If we want to, we want to know more, if we want to work one-on-one with you, how can we do so? So you mentioned my website, which is carriemallon.com. I offer tarot readings over Skype right now. Um, in the past, I've done audio readings. I might be bringing back audio readings soon, so keep an eye out for that. I also offer mentoring sessions, which are done via Skype as well. And I have a blog, which is fairly active. That's where the Wild Unknown posts are, and I have all kinds of other resources on the blog as well. So pretty much everything's on my website. I'm also decently active on Instagram and my username is just my full name at Carrie Mallon. So you can find me there as well. And I'll make sure we pop all of those links in the podcast episode as well over at ethany.com. So I would like to say thank you so much. Don't forget to go get your worksheet. It's completely free from this episode and enjoy working with your deck. And thank you so much uh, from myself and everyone who's watching or listening, Carrie, for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you. It was my pleasure to be here. And we'll see you all next time. Head to www.tarotreadersacademy.com to check out the training and offer with a faculty of tarot experts. That's www.tarotreadersacademy.com. You can also find out how to work with Ethany by heading to www.ethany.com. Thank you for joining us.